Oi, Jaime. Oi, Ana. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very fine. Yeah, Thank you. Great to have you today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So today my guest is Jaime Schwarzwitter. He's a professor emeritus at Universidade Federal do Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. His research interests are related to graph theory, algorithms, theory of computation, and discrete mathematics. He has published more than 170 journal papers and several influential textbooks in these areas and has supervised dozens of masters and doctoral students. Jaime is a full member of the Brazilian Academy of Sciences and he has received numerous national and international awards such as the Grand Cross for Scientific Merit, the Almirante Alvaro Alberto Prize, the Scientific Merit Prize awarded by the Brazilian Computing Society, and the Luis Federico Lelois Prize, awarded by the Ministry of Science, Technology and Productive Innovation of Argentina. In addition, Jaime was a visiting professor in many countries like the US, England, Scotland, Argentina, Germany, France, Poland, Israel, Czech Republic and Japan. Jaime, uh, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. You were a legend here in Brazil, uh, so I mean, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Your introduction was very generous. <laughs> uh, let yeah. me say that. Yeah. So let's okay, start. Uh, so, Jaime, uh, where were you born and in which year? Okay, I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, in 1942. Okay. So tell me about your family origins. Uh, I noticed you have a Polish surname, so uh, but you don't look Polish, <laughs> I must say. Yes, I don't. I, I looked 100% uh, pure Brazilian, but uh, my both parents came from from Poland, uh, both ma uh, father and 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 mother, ah. and uh, they came from Poland in the early 30s to to to, to Brazil. Okay, and uh, when were they born? My my father was born in 1904 and my mother in 1905. Ah, okay. Do you have uh, brothers, sisters? I have a sister who is uh, 11 years older than, than myself. Ah, okay. So she was born in Poland? She was born in Poland. Ah, she became a very successful uh, person here in Brazil like you, right? Your sister. Well, she's an uh, emeritus uh, professor in the... Um, Faculty of Communications. Ah, okay. Uh, and in which language did your parents uh, used to talk to you? Well, my my mother talked to me in Yiddish, which which was say her mother tongue. Okay. When the my father talked to me in Portuguese, because he wanted very much to to learn Portuguese. Ah, right. So your your parents are, are are Jews, right? Yes, both. Mm, okay. Uh, and did your parents have any troubles adapting after moving to Brazil? Yes, my my father actually not, but uh, uh, my my mother had a, a, a little bit, and then she decided to to to, to go back to to to, to Poland. 
Uh, okay, so she returned to Poland, but yes, but what about returned. the war? She, this was well, they they arrived here in the I think '32 something like that, and returned to Poland three years later, '35, uh-huh. and um, when when they arrived in Poland, then the, then they they saw they understood that the situation has completely changed, mainly. Uh, towards Jews. Then they decided. My 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 mother wrote a letter to my father, and said, "Well, don't don't come back here. I will go back to Brazil." And then she arrived to Brazil in 1939. I think August, just in the beginning of the war. Wow! So she should have taken at, uh, the one of the last ship, ships, right? Yes. Yes. That's yes. Wow. That's it. Uh, how far was your family in Poland affected by the Holocaust? Well, you see, they had a very big, big family because by that time, people had many, many uh, children. children. Mm-hmm. My my father has something like uh, seven or eight, say, Siblings. sisters and brothers, uh-huh. and my mother five. Uh, all of them, all of them married with uh, children, uh-huh. uh, besides other um, relatives. Or say they, they have uh, more or less hundreds of, of relatives and uh, no one survived. After, after the war, my father and mother uh, found two nieces in the list of survivors of concentration camps. Wow, so you're, basically your family in Poland was killed, right? Uh, yes, but wow. they were all killed. Wow, that's so sad. Uh, but how did your parents react uh, when they learned about what happened to your family back in Poland? After after they they, they found this this two uh, nieces, one of them came to Brazil. This was in 1947, probably uh-huh. 1947. I was then five years old. Uh-huh. Uh, and then these two nieces, they they survived uh, concentration camps, so they have numbers uh, written in in their arms. Uh-huh. When she came back, she she started to to tell my my mother how the family was uh, was killed, some details of uh, of how how this happened to to to, to the family. And uh, my my mother, when she heard that, that she had a sort of nervous uh, disease, that the salivary glands stopped working. Oh. This may sound it's a simple thing, but it's not. It's terrible. Uh-huh. It's terrible. I, I remember her tongue glued glued to the mouth. You oh. see, oh. when when uh, when eating. But and and then uh, because of that she, she became more or less ill uh-huh. and she died relatively young. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think she, uh, she died actually in 1971. Ah, I remember. That. Okay, okay. So how was life in Rio during the late 40s and throughout the 50s? Well, late in the late 40s and throughout the 50s, I think the the most uh, important thing that I remember. Is the World Cup ah. that that was in Rio de Janeiro in 1950 
in the, in this World Cup, Brazil was the favorite county to win the the the, the, the cup. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. Uh, well, Brazil lost the, the last game to Uruguay, two two one. Yeah. Two, two, one. And I I remember the two games just before that were against uh, Spain. Brazil won six one, and against Sweden, Brazil won seven one. So most of the people uh, expected that against Uruguay this will be eight one, <laughs> eight to one. <laughs> and um, well, the the final game in in, uh, in Maracanã Stadium. This was inauguration of the Maracanã Stadium. By that time, uh, this the stadium took. Something like two hundred thousand people. Wow! Which is well, almost the entire population of countries like Iceland, I think. Uh, not, not very different, I uh -huh. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, because there were not a place to sit, so they were standing. Uh -huh. So part of the, the stadium was was built without having the possibility of um, of seating. So in this way, uh, 200,000 people. And um, what is said for us, Brazilians, that at the end, people left the stadium with complete silence. So you, you can imagine 200,000 leaving a football stadium and it was impossible to listen to anything. People was in in silence like mooring right you see yeah it was uh, it was like a tragedy uh, yes it was yeah, a tragedy yeah, that event is known as the maracanazo uh, yes yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were at the stadium then <laughs> yes that's right that's phenomenal uh, I mean it's sad but at the same time it was a historical event and uh, you, you had the chance to, to witness that at the time so uh, you were about eight Right, because the World Cup was in 1950. Yes, so, about, yeah. about eight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but other than the World Cup, uh, what did you do at that time? Like, did you like uh, going to the beach and enjoying the the real atmosphere, which was really good, I suppose, right during that? Yeah, but by that time, going to Copacabana Beach, for, for instance, was something uh, fantastic. Uh, Violence in the city was a little bit better than it's now today. Much better, actually, uh -huh. than it's now uh, today. Well, and uh, you had a great time. Uh, I had a great time, and it's called uh, the well, the wonderful city. Yeah, <laughs> cidade maravilhosa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, you also saw the origins and evolution of bossa nova in Rio in the yes, late 50s yeah. and then 60s. Um, what was your impression of the music by João Gilberto, Tom Jobim, Vinícius de Moraes, and so on? Well, the music was fantastic. From from that time, in the years that that, that, that Follow. followed, mm -hmm. I think the the, the the Brazilian popular music that uh, that that came to get came together with, with with this music and all the all the production that that followed uh, can still be filled nowadays. The most popular and the most important say Brazilian composers for popular music came from that time in the in the in the in the years that that, that follow it. 
since today, since today, since today, when 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 you talk about the the composers, uh, the composers of, of Brazilian music, people would cite the mu musicians of that time. Mm -hmm. Those from uh, the, that were born in the 40s or even 30s, uh, they they are really well um, recognized still to this day. Uh, Chico Buarque and yes, Chico yeah, Buarque. and yes, Caetano Veloso, right. Gilberto Gil, not only the the those exactly from Bossanova, those that came Bossa Nova, later, okay. but Tropicalia, the yes. movement, right? They came next after that. Uh, but were you into music uh, overall? Did you play any instruments? Well, I tried to to play violin, I mean classical music, and played for a few years, and I stopped. <laughs> I stopped because you know, uh, violin if it is well played. It's beautiful, very beautiful. But if you if it is played more or less, you see, you can list, you cannot listen to it. Uh -huh. Whereas a piano is a little bit different. Uh, I would say that, uh, well, it's as difficult as to play very well piano as uh, than to play very well violin. Uh -huh. But if you don't play very well piano, still you can have fun, <laughs> but not not with violin. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, did you uh, enjoy listening to classical music, jazz? Uh... Yes, and, and uh, after after this period of, of classical music, I started to to listen to jazz, and uh, still today. Ah, okay. How did you do in school? Well, I, I did well, except that uh, when I was close to finish, I decided not to go to the university. Ah, why? And then. Because I, I thought, well, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough. And, and then I, I, I was, after I finished the high school, the high school, I, um, I stopped for uh, one year. And, uh, and then I, I decided, well, <laughs> it's better. It's better to, to go to university. And then I, by, by, by that time, I, I had to to spend an, an, another year in preparation. Mm -hmm. So uh, you finished high school uh, in the early 60s, uh, and you finally joined the Universidade Federal do Rio de Janeiro in 1963, also known as UFRJ, uh, yes. short, right? Uh, and which at that time was called Universidade do Brasil. Uh, and you yes. studied and you studied electric electronic engineering, right? Yes, uh, University of Brazil, because, well, Brazil, uh, Rio de Janeiro was the capital of the Republic and the, the most important uh, city in Brazil. And uh -huh. then, so Rio de Janeiro had the University of Brazil was in, in Rio de Janeiro. Uh -huh. But um, afterwards, uh, they created uh, many federal universities, one in each state. And then uh, Rio de Janeiro became a, became a state by, by, by itself. So in this way was born the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. Right. And as an undergrad student, did you have the chance to study uh, OR or graph theory and things like that? No, no, no as an undergraduate. Ah, okay. Only, 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 only postgraduate. As an undergraduate student, uh, actually I liked uh, mathematics, uh -huh. but people people told me by that time if you if you like mathematics you had to do engineering. Ah, uh -huh. 
because uh, as an engineer, you will learn mathematics and you will have a profession. <laughs> this was, well, I, I didn't know that, you see, then I, I, did, I didn't have any experience. And uh, my parents didn't have much experience also. Uh-huh. They came from, well, from a small, uh, small village in Poland. So I, I, I went to, the, to study in engineering, but I never worked in engineering. Uh-huh. Never. When, when I was in the middle of my course, I, I started to, to give lectures in uh, mathematics, uh-huh. in uh, analytic geometry, in, in, well, when I was the, in the, my third year, I think, I was already teaching real lectures, not uh, exercise lectures to students in the first year. Because by that time, there was a, a lack of, of professors to, uh, and, and lecturers. And then they, they took a couple of, of students, uh, well, to teach. Right. <laughs> And, and what did you do after graduating? Okay, I, I finished school in 1967. And um, a few months later, in 1968, I was hired by, by the, the university, Federal University of, of Rio de Janeiro, uh, to teach. And then I started teaching, uh, well, immediately after having, having finished school. But at the same time, I, I was a part-time student and uh, in order to to be able to to survive also and um, I was I was working in Boros which is a, a, a computer manufacturer and they had a few systems installed in in uh, Brazil in in, in 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 Rio de Janeiro and, and then I I learned COBOL uh, by the time that there were all the all the learning that I did in uh, computers as a programmer was self-thought, reading manuals. Wow! So, so we had to, to learn a, how how the language uh, was reading the the, the language ma- uh, manual. Then I I learned COBOL. Well, more or less, not not a very nice language, I think. <laughs> let, let let me say, but but anyway, it was easy to to write say computer programs for administrative jobs in in this language yeah uh, you were doing something for banks right oh yes for for for, uh, for banks because uh, by, by that time when a computer manu- manufacturer sold a system uh, a computer say uh, since there were not many many people worked in, the, in this in this area, they sold the computer and also they together with the computer, they there was a, a team of the manufacturer that was helping the the customer to install their system. Boros sold the, the computer to a bank, to an important Brazilian bank, Banco Nacional. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I was working in this bank to teach the, the well the people how to use the, the computer and, and how to develop systems uh, in this in the new machine. Right. So, uh, so you were teaching 
at the uh, Universidade Federal do Rio de Janeiro. You were working for Boros and you were doing masters all at the same time. Yes, all at the same time, more wow. or less at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So what was your master's dissertation about? So my master's dissertation was by that time, I, I, my speciality was developing administrative systems. And then I developed a, a system for library automation. And then I, I wrote the programs and um, the, the programs were, say, part in COBOL and part in assembler because uh, there were some some routines that uh, required the, the use of, of assembler. And then it was a, a very primitive assembler, close to machine language, uh -huh. actually. Wow. <laughs> it should have been really hard uh, to develop this type of programs at that time. Uh, people take memory for granted uh, and, and when writing computer programs nowadays. Uh, but at that time, you had to, to do many tricks to save memory, correct? Yes, by that time, actually, memory was the most important uh, feature that you, 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 you have to meet. Uh, well, time, you, you know, we have to, when writing a program, you have to worry about uh, time and space. Mm -hmm. You know, time is, uh, was important and uh, still important. By that time, space was even more. Ah. In, to, to have your program fit into, in, into, the, into memory, uh, some, some, uh, sometimes was very, very... Challenging. Very, yeah, very challenging and, and very difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, by that time, the, the computers that were available, some of them had altogether 4K bytes of memory. Wow. Which is nothing, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, Jaime, uh, you concluded your master's in, in 1971, and you moved to Newcastle in the UK for your PhD uh, the following year. How did that happen? Well, after the master's, it's natural to... <laughs> To, to do a PhD, and uh, by I, but I, I didn't know nobody, you see, and um, more or less I was more or less isolated also. But um, I met a, a, a by chance a professor from uh, University of Newcastle upon time in England came to visit Rio de Janeiro's University, mm -hmm. Federal University. And then I talked to him, and then uh, and then he said, "Well, you see, go to Newcastle. It's very nice." And um, well, he, he he described me the areas in which it was uh, possible to work there, and he 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 worked on graph theory, hmm. and um, this was maybe probably the first time that I heard about this, uh -huh. and then. Uh, well, I said, well, graph theory, let, let, me, let me see what it is exactly. And uh, then I liked it. Uh. I liked it and I decided, okay, this, this, this sounds a very nice area for to work in a PhD. Uh -huh. and, and how was your English at that time? Well, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, in order to, to go, I, I had to make an exam in English. Which which I passed, uh -huh. 
But I uh, remember when I arrived there and uh, I listened to the, in the airport, to the, the, to the loudspeakers, and uh, I, I asked myself, which language are, are, they, <laughs> are they talking? But anyway. Yeah. So finally, so finally had a chance to learn about OR, combinator optimization, and of course, graph theory, doing a PhD, right? Yes. That's right. Doing my PhD. Mm -hmm. This was the, the first time then that 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 I learned about uh, these terms inclusive. Mm -hmm. And what was the topic of your PhD? The topic of, of my PhD was say uh, developing algorithms for a collection of problems, and uh, this problems was to generate all the objects of a certain collection. I mean, and I'll give an example. Uh, for instance, if you have a collection of uh, permutation of a set, you want to generate each permutation separately. And then going from one permutation to the next one as fast as possible. Ah. So this was the purpose to, to find algorithms for, uh, for this kind of, of, of problems. Ah, very interesting. And uh, your very first journal paper uh, was in collaboration with a legend from the field of computer science, uh, Donald Knuth. Uh, tell me the story behind such a paper. Well, I, I learned from, from Knuth's book, Volume 1, a very nice algorithm, nice and simple, like all algorithms by, by Knuth, uh, easy to understand and very elegant which is to, to find a, a topological sorting of a collection of objects. Uh, well, in his book, there, there is an algorithm for to find one, one topological sorting. And I had the idea to generalize this to an algorithm for finding all topological sortings of, of the collection. Uh, and then I wrote a paper on that. And, um, well, I wanted to submit it to a journal, which was by that time starting information processing letters. Uh -huh. And then I, I wrote to the editor, uh, the editor was Donald Knuth and, uh, one of the editors and I submitted that paper. The paper was horrible <laughs> <laughs> because. I didn't know how to how to write papers, and uh, the program had uh, some bugs. There was no proof, only the the algorithm, the crude algorithm, and the idea of trying to develop this into an algorithm to generate all the objects. I think this idea was not very common. Uh -huh. There there were not many papers that I can remember that by that time. Uh, had this approach of finding all objects of, of the collection. And um, I was lucky uh, enough to, to see that um, he, Donald Knuth, got interested in this subject. And uh, he corrected the algorithms, rewrote completely the, the, the paper, and uh, add, add the proof that, uh, that was meeting, missing. And then uh, we wrote a paper uh, together. It was a tremendous experience, even even more because by that time 
there was no internet to exchange messages and things like that. Then you had to write a letter to your co-author saying what you did and what you are thinking, what, what we should do next. And when you write a letter, it's completely different than when you write a message. A letter is a document, something very serious. When the messages, you know, <laughs> they come and go. And uh, so it was a very, very nice experience for me. Wow. Still, still on, on this topic, uh, Donald Knut wrote a book a few years later called Literate Programming. This was, a, uh, like all, all, all his books, a very nice book. And uh, in, in this book, he dedicated one of the chapters to our paper and reproduce it completely. So in, in, uh, in, in this book, Literate Programming, I think the chapter three or something, three or four, uh, it is um, reproduced our joint paper. Wow. So it shows uh, the impact of, of, that, of that work. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so you finished your PhD in 1975. And, and in 1979, you went to Berkeley uh, for a postdoc with Eugene Lawler, uh, another legend uh, in the field of, you know, algorithms and so on. Uh, how did you find this opportunity? Well, you see, I, I met uh, Gene Lawler in a conference. Well, people talk about Berkeley and uh, how nice it is. And, uh, well, then I said, well, maybe it's... It's a very nice place to, to do a postdoc, but uh, I didn't know I, I, I didn't know uh, anybody from, from from there. Then I met I, I saw that Gene Lawler was by that time a professor at, uh, at Berkeley, and uh, he was at, uh, at, that, at that conference. And then I, I had the courage to approach him, and um, and saying that well I'd like to. Uh, to do a, a postdoc in, uh, in Berkeley. And then he, well, he was kind enough in order to listen to me and sell well, and asked me, well, what would you like to do? And, and then I, I just mentioned to him that, uh, you see, I, I, I did, I did my, my PhD at Newcastle University. And um, during my PhD, I had the chance to, to write a, a paper together with this was sufficient <laughs> <laughs> and then then they said okay <laughs> you can come to Berkeley well yeah so that that experience of uh, collaborating with Knut changed your life basically yes changed my life yeah even in Brazil so. yes and talking about uh, co-authors during that period uh, in, in in Berkeley you had the chance to collaborate uh, with another legend was actually not in Berkeley at that time, but somehow you managed to connect with him and, and write a very nice paper that ended up becoming your most cited paper. Yes, well, w w um, this happened because my, since my interest was in graph algorithms, uh, we, I, I met Alon Itai, a computer scientist from uh, from Israel that was visiting 
Berkeley uh, at the same time that I was, and we started to to work, to work together on um, on on a problem of uh, finding um, Hamilton Pass in grid graphs in a subclass, and then we 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 worked in the subject up up to a certain point, and later he went I think probably to MIT to to visit uh, Christus Papadimitriou. And uh, he took the problem to to, to Christus, and um, he he liked the the, the, the subject, and uh, joined us uh, as as a, as an author. The, the paper was published uh, a few years later, and um, in, I think in the in the Siam Journal, 1981 probably. 82, I think. 1982, and then um, this paper became the, the paper that uh, that had a biggest number of of, uh, of citations uh, among all papers that I I had written uh-huh. about uh, more than 600, which is more than 600, which is a fair number for theoretical work. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um... So you had this uh, opportunity to collaborate with uh, Donald Knud, then Christus Papadimitriou. Uh, they're all by chance, <laughs> but still, well, that was phenomenal, right? Uh, to have the chance to, to the opportunity to collaborate with two legends, and that definitely helped your career uh, uh, quite a lot, I, I, I suppose. Yes, and uh, well, later I, I, I had the chance to, uh, I. I invited um, uh, Christos Papadimitriou to the conference in, in Brazil, and uh, he, of course, he, he was the well the, the main speaker of, of, of this conference, and uh, he came direct. I remember that direct from the airport to, to give the opening uh, class in the in the in the conference, and then it happened that the the second speaker failed to come so the, there was a gap in the in the program and then I, I was shy but decided to ask him well Christos please I wonder if um, you you can uh, talk a little bit more to cover the at least part of, of the second of the second talk and then um, he replied me immediately well you see, I can talk for an unlimited amount of time. <laughs> and then after his his lectures, we, we understood that, you know, the people that listen to his talk can also listen for an unlimited amount of time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, so you first learned about scheduling at UC Berkeley, right? Yes, my I first learned about scheduling at UC uh, Berkeley with uh, Gene Lawler, uh, and uh, so I, I he was teaching a course, a MSc course. I, I went to to, to his uh, uh, lectures and was taking notes and uh, learning learning about uh, scheduling, and then I I, I realized that. Uh, also in, in scheduling, I can I can work more or less in the same 
in the same way that I was working in graph theory, in graph theoretical problems. You, you take a problem which um, you don't know whether or not you can you, you can solve it in a efficiently and you, you, you try to decide where, whether or not you can uh, describe a polynomial time algorithm for it or derive a, a NP completeness proof for uh, uh, for it right and it was around that time uh where uh he and and his colleagues uh proposed and published the very famous three field notation that is widely used in scheduling problems uh, nowadays oh right? yes that's right and uh, I, I had the chance to to see the birth of of, of this uh, notation and uh, I attended some of the um, some of the the talks that they gave about the notation, be, 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 because uh, before that it was horrible how to describe a, a scheduling problems. And then the the notation was co concise, very concise, and very easy to understand, and became common. Became common uh, nowadays. Everybody that works in, in scheduling uses this notation. Yeah. Before the introduction of the notation, it should have been really long to, to describe yeah, the really problem. Really long to, to describe uh, everything, more yeah. or less, uh, uh -huh. uh, in, in details, in order to, to to make the people to understand the problem. Uh -huh. So you 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 met uh, the co-authors of that work when when you were there in person. Uh, uh, like uh, Hinoi Khan and uh, those guys. Yeah, I met Hinoi Khan and and uh, and Lensa. They because they they uh, they came very very often to to to, to Berkeley. Ah, uh, okay. I had the chance to 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 to, to, to meet them there. Mm -hmm. So by the time you returned to Brazil in the early eighties, uh, were you already uh, supervising PhD students? Yes, my my first PhD student, I think, was in the the eighties, the early eighties, mm -hmm. and was in a scheduling problem. Ah, very nice. Was yeah, wasn't on scheduling problems, and I I supervised in, in scheduling problems and uh, graph algorithms also. Mm -hmm. uh, so in nineteen eighty four, you went yet for another postdoc. Uh, this time you went to Cambridge. Uh, what did you do there? In Cambridge, I was working with um, uh, Bolobash because in in, in 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 graph theory, and uh, I met one of his um, students, uh, Reinhard Distel, who was um, writing a book, who became nowadays very very famous. His book, uh, graph graph theory. And uh, Bolobash ha had uh, a book written exactly on, on this subject called Modern Graph Theory. I think the, the book of, uh, of Distel is just Graph Theory or something like that, mm -hmm. if, if, if I can remember. And uh, we became close friends and uh, we had co contact for, uh, afterwards for, for, for a few years. And, and then he went back to, to Germany. Mm. Uh, uh, afterwards, and uh, he's still there, I think. So you worked uh, maybe, maybe in pure in graph theory, right? In, in... Pure graph theory, mm. which is different 
from graph algorithms. Yeah, yeah. You are concerned about existence existence problems, but uh, well, it's different. But at the same time, you see, at the end, you 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 had to to, to write uh, theorems and proofs, and that's it. Yeah. Lemma lemma proof theorem proof lemma proof theorem proof. That's the that's the way in which it yeah. works. It sounds easy, but it's not. <laughs> yes. So you had this fantastic opportunity to to work with great people from the field. Um, you went to Berkeley and then to to Cambridge, and uh, it was not that common for for people in Brazil, at least in our field, to travel abroad in, in those days, right in the seventies and eighties, uh, and even to do postdocs abroad. Uh, am I right? Yes. Okay. Let me just comment on, on, on that. You see, uh, I was uh, not just myself, but I, I'm, I'm among the, the pioneers of the field in in, uh, in in Brazil. Being a pioneer has um, many disadvantages, but also has some advantage. One of them is that uh, uh, there are not many people to compete for for the funds and for uh, for the opportunities that are that uh, are, are made available so I, I i wanted to travel to do another postdoc and then why when i submitted uh, this idea to to the department no one complained <laughs> and uh, in this way i was able to to do a, another uh, postdoc, this time in 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 France. Ah. Well, I the, in, initially I, I was in um, in Orsay, in uh, close to, to 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 Paris, and uh, and then I went to, to to Montpellier. In Montpellier, I worked with um, with with Michel Abib, and. Uh, and we we came we we became close also, and wrote a couple of papers together. Right. So you were working on graph theory there. Yes. Uh huh. By that time, uh, he he was also working in in, in graph theory. Uh huh. So he, he, did you meet Claude Bash by any chance? Oh yes, I I met Claude Claude Bash Berge when I was in Paris, in the, his house in. In uh, in Paris, his house was like a museum, fantastic, uh -huh. full of pieces of art, and uh, he was him himself a very interesting person. Ah, okay. Uh, so again, uh, a very nice experience in this in this period abroad, um, and that helped you with connections and and also with this yes. experience and knowledge that you acquired traveling. You you also helped. Establishing the you know foundations and uh, and as you said you were a pioneer uh, here and and uh, thanks to that uh, many people many of your students could benefit from from that experience that you acquired when you you traveled um, so Jarmin now talking about your main research contributions uh, let's start with your extensive work on click graphs okay uh, well this was one of the, my uh, maybe one of the first topics that uh, I was uh, completely dedicated to, 
é, to characterize which are the click graphs of some graph. If you take a graph, I wanted to know what, what would be a characterization of uh, uh, the click graph of it. And um, uh, sometimes it, uh, this problem might be very difficult and uh, sometimes it's easy. It depends on, 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 on the class. And uh, I was working on uh, characterizing click graphs, as I mentioned, of some par particular class of, of, of graphs. And um, this was a topic that interested it also. It was a, a Latin American topic, which because the Mexicans uh, actually started started it. Uh, you you see the, the early very early papers on on on, on click graphs are, are, are from Mexicans, but uh, uh, later well it became more or less a Brazilian su uh, subject, Brazilian and Argentinian, because I I had uh, a few students from Argentina whose whose PhD thesis was in, in click graphs. Right, and then they were in click graphs. Yeah, and then they 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 kept extending your work there in Argentina, uh, and and you actually had an influence on their uh, development in the field, right? Yes, in, 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 in Argentina, what, what happened is that uh, by that time, there were not many people working in uh, uh, graph algorithms in, in, uh, in, algorithm, in Argentina, in, in algorithms in, in, in general. Uh, I remember by that uh, this was in maybe in the early 80s or no, in the late 70s. Uh, I received the visit of uh, Irene Loiseau. She's a professor at the University of uh, Buenos Aires. And then she said that uh, there were students, not, not just stu students and lecturers of the um, University of Buenos Aires that wanted to, to do a PhD in graph algorithms and, and graph theory. And uh, by that time, there were not many people working in this area in Argentina. And then she asked me whether or not I, I, would, I would like to, to supervise this, uh, this, this thesis. I said, of course, yes. And uh, by that time, I started my collaboration with, uh, with Argentina. Yeah. And uh, after that, I, I supervised some Argentinian students and uh, now these students, they have supervised other, other students. And then uh, ma many, many people in Argentina that uh, now uh, have a specialization in, in this area. And you even got an award uh, for, for your contributions to, to the uh, Argentinian community in, in the field. Yes, I, 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 uh, I had the honor to receive the the Louis Frédéric Lelois Prize from the, given by the Ministry of um, uh, Science and Technology and Innovation of, of um, Argentina. This award, this award is, is given by people from outside Argentina that um, made important contributions to Argentinian science throughout the years. That shows that you did not only had a tremendous impact in Brazil, 
but also in, in, in other countries like Argentina. Um, and, and that's, that's uh, remarkable. Um, and what about your contributions on computational uh, graph convexity? Can you comment about it? Yeah, well, in uh, computational graph, uh, graph convexity, the, the idea was, say, to, 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 to combine what, what is done in, in, in the area of, con of convexity in general in mathematics with graph theory, taking your problems in, in convexity in general to, to graph problems. Graph convexity means your subject of, of, of study is graphs. So, so you want to know uh, what happens with a particular uh, parameter, for instance, this parameter in, in, uh, in some particular graph. You want to know whether or not it is possible to find such a parameter related to, to such a convexity. Given a, a particular par parameter, given a particular co convexity, you want to know whether or not it's possible to find this parameter within this uh, uh, convexity. In case it is possible, you want to describe an algorithm. In case it is not possible, you want to find a NP-completeness proof. Right. Um, if I'm and not mistaken, you work with uh, Fabio Proti uh, on those problems, right? Yes, well, uh, Fabio Proti was my, my student at the Federal University of, of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, later, he, he started to work at, at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro and later he moved to uh, Fluminense uh, Federal University. Where, where he is now, actually in the in the last uh, mathematical uh, co colloquium in Rio de Janeiro, he wrote a book on this subject, graph convexity, uh, together with uh, Miti Dorado from the, from the Federal University, and um, and and also together with two other colleagues from uh, the Federal University of Ceará. Yeah. Yeah, I I met Fabio Proti when he was when he joined the Universidade Federal Fluminense, and we worked together in in a, a couple of papers uh, on cluster editing uh, and and things like that. So he's a very very nice guy and one of the smartest people I've ever met, for sure. Yes. So now uh, pivoting a bit towards OR. Uh, could you briefly talk about some of his research work on scheduling? Uh, I noticed that uh, you you also like to show whether the problems uh, uh, in, in some scheduling problems are NP-hard or not, or to provide a polynomial time algorithm when it's possible. So I think you you did some work uh, in, in this regard, right? I had even a couple of papers with which uh, was able to, to publish on, uh, on on this area. The, the idea is always is the same either trying to develop algorithms or trying to find an p-completeness proof. Uh, but in talking about OR in my books, I, I had chapters on problems that are typical from OR, like um, traveling salesman problems, minimum spanning trees, minimum max, ma maximum spanning trees, uh, description of greedy algorithms, and the shortest path problems. Right. Uh, so, Jaime, uh, you you started several national international conferences in the field. 
could you comment about uh, some of them, perhaps starting with Lagos, which is quite well known? Okay. Lagos is, is uh, among them, is uh, the one that is most known. Latin American Graphs and Optimization Symposium. Uh, this was the, 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 the join of two, co two, two conferences, one Brazilian and one Chilean, which more or less started uh, each one uh, in, in these countries two or three years uh, before, before Lagos. And then we decided to, to, to join, to create Lagos. And um, Lagos is a, it's a well-known uh, conference that we have special issues of the Journal of, of uh, Discrete Applied Mathematics. And, uh, and also, when it existed before, uh, the AENDM, Electronic Notes on Discrete Mathematics. And uh, this was replaced by, by another, another journal. Uh, the idea is that uh, all papers which are accepted to the conference are published in, in, in this uh, it's a journal dedicated to to to, to conference. I, I, I published in this in this journal, and afterwards, uh, people have the chance to submit papers to discrete applied mathematics. Okay, you also started a conference related to click uh, graphs, right? Yes, uh, Latin American workshop on clicks of graphs. Actually, this. The, it started when I visited uh, the, the Mexico, and by, the, by that time, uh, we were very much interested on Greek click graphs. And the, the idea was to, to, to make a workshop on click graphs, Latin American workshop on click graphs. And then I just changed a little bit. Instead of Latin American workshop on click graphs, we, we created a well, we decided to to, to create a, a a workshop on a Latin American workshop on clicks of graphs, which is a little bit more general. Because if you are working on clicks of graphs, you are working on graph theory in, in general. So you decided to, yes. to to expand the conference to encompass uh, yes, to all encompass all the all the areas of of uh, of graphs and algorithms. Right. Say. Mm -hmm. You also started the Encontro de Teoria da Computação, which is the theory of computational meeting that includes the uh, graph theory, optimization, algorithms, and theory of computation. Uh, yes, this, this, I would say, this is a Brazilian, a, a typical Brazilian meeting, whereas the, the other two are, say, international or at least Latin American. Lagos became a, a real international conference. Uh, the, the one on, on uh, clicks of, of graphs is more uh, Latin American. You also uh, started uh, the meeting on theory of computation, but the name is uh, does not necessarily uh, mean that you were strict to that area. You also include optimization and graph theory and algorithms in general. Uh, but this is the, the name that is more or less connected to the Brazilian Computer Society, when you think of these areas. Um, and, and the last edition of this meeting uh, was in João Pessoa, uh, just a uh, few weeks ago. And you were here, we met. So you, you were one of the people responsible for creating the, this, this meeting, right? Yes, that, that's right. This was, uh, I think, the, 
I think this is important, say, to make the people that are working in Brazil to to meet uh, to meet their colleagues and uh, to, and to, to have the opportunity to join people in order to say to, to to get them to know and perhaps be able to work together. And uh, this was uh, uh, for me also an opportunity to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in in uh, João Pessoa, it was a, a a very nice meeting actually. Yeah, many many people. Yes, yes, yes. The the, the quality of the the presentations were really nice. So so it was a very nice meeting indeed. Uh, so uh, Jaime, let's talk about your books. Uh, you were you were known for a couple of books on graph theory and data structures here in Brazil. Uh, what motivated you to write them? Well, the motivation was that, say, in order to create a literature in technical books, at least in, in this area, in Portuguese. Because uh, this has a couple of reasons. One of them is that for undergraduates, for instance, not everyone is able to, uh, to read English. And uh, besides, it has also the, 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 the matter of costs. To buy to buy an important book that, that was made, say abroad, say in the U.S. or in Europe, well, the price of it is much different from from buying a, a book written in Brazil. The price is much less and and makes it affordable for students in uh, mm -hmm. in in our university for undergraduate students in in our universities, mm -hmm. but the also, as I mentioned, it is important to, to create a literature in terms in, in Portuguese. I tried to uh, translate to create all the, all the terms in the Portuguese language because uh, this, is, this is going to be the language in which these students are going to work and probably to teach. Yeah, so you have to introduce the vocabulary in Portuguese. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. It introduced, as you, you mentioned the, the correct word. Yeah. So you create a vocabulary in Portuguese, a technical vocabulary in Portuguese in our, for our area. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was a fantastic contribution for sure. Uh, everyone knows uh, your books. Uh, and uh, you started writing the first in the late 80s. And then you kept on uh, updating, uh, uh, improving some of them, and you are now working on uh, on a new book, right? Yes, I'm, we are working now on a book on algorithms for data science. Ah, it may sound different in another area, but in the way in which in which we are working in this, it's not. Mm -hmm. So, Jamie. Uh, because of your extensive contributions to our field, uh, most notably on graph theory and algorithms and uh, uh, related topics and just read mathematics and so on. And you know, your books, your papers, uh, you're also very known to, to, to be a fantastic lecturer too. Um, because of that, you won the most prestigious prize a scientist can get uh, here in Brazil 
which is the Premio Almirante Álvaro Alberto. Uh, was this the most important recognition in your career? Yes, I, I think so. Uh, actually, Almirante Álvaro Alberto, he was the founder of CNPQ, which is the, the main Brazilian uh, research agency. Research a agency. And uh, well, I think that among all the all the the, the prizes that uh, I got, I think this is the the most important. Yeah, I mean it's it's, uh, it's sort of a lifetime achievement award in a way that it's uh, it, it's uh, it recognizes all your work. Uh, you have been a pioneer, and uh, also you you supervise so many students. Uh, you have students. Uh, former students that are now uh, uh, part faculty uh, members of numerous universities, not only in Brazil, but also in other countries. So uh, uh, your legacy is just uh, incredible. Uh, so, so Jaime, you were 81 and still very active. Uh, what's the secret for your longevity? Well, I think uh, there is no secret. I think... Uh... Uh, longevity means that that uh, you 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 did not stop, and uh, I can say that uh, the secret, which is as I said, is not secret because this is no, known for uh, every, everybody knows it. But maybe it's difficult to 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 apply it. Is that uh, don't stop? Don't stop means uh, keep working. If you retire, keep working during doing your retirement, and uh, in this way, I think this will will help you to live for many many years more. Right, uh, Jaime. Before we conclude our conversation, uh, uh, I have to ask you about your iconic hair and beard. Uh, do you think that it, this uh, reflects? Uh, your personality in the sense that you seem to be very relaxed, a very uh, easygoing person. Uh, do you think there's any connection? <laughs> well, in a, in a way, yes. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. I try to accept, it, accept the things as they are, accept life and uh, don't fight uh, against it. And uh, I think this, this is one of the secrets, I think, of uh, of being happy and um, well life is like that and uh, you cannot fight against it and uh, if you accept it this is fine for you and maybe it's fine for the people that are beside you okay so jaime it was fantastic to have this conversation with you uh, you have a very, very long career with so many stories. Uh, it's hard to, to, to put all together because it's, it's just an endless source of uh, anecdotes and stories. And uh, I really appreciate your time and thank you very, very much. Muito obrigado. Okay, thank you very much for this opportunity. And uh, I say, I, I have to say muito, muito obrigado, no, not you. Okay. So let's hope I can meet you again uh, one of these days. And uh, take care, Jaime. Look after your health. And I hope you stay productive in the years to come. Ciao. Okay, thank you. Ciao. Bye.